0: All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. This, although the big show is, uh, again, going to be tomorrow, but this one is us dissecting the second round series between the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. You notice we got three people in the box, and everybody, you're going to be excited to see that guy up there in the top right. So, first things first, I am your host, Mark Williams, and whoop. I slipped down my nameplate. There it is again. And it is great to be joined by the host of the Final Buzzer, Mr. John Fulkowski. Here's Johnny. And joining us today for the first time, our Hurricanes contributor, one of my longest time friends, Mr. Pete Mackin.
1: Rangers, Hurricanes in the playoffs. Who would have thought?
0: You know, a lot of us were kind of looking at that um, just in, in general, like a few weeks ago going, all right, the division winner, uh, who, who's it going to be? Uh, can, can the Rangers usurp them? I just want to say this. Uh, so I want to paint this picture for you guys. If you, can rem- if you can imagine a couple of 14-year-old kids in their lunch break, sitting back, dissecting the NHL playoffs about why the Islanders were going to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins or vice versa or the Washington Capitals and Flash forward 20 years later. Pete, welcome to the show. It's great to do this officially with you.
1: Thank you, Mark. uh, Oh, and uh, so what are you wearing? So we're rocking the old school today. And one of the great things about our ownership group is that we have not forgotten about our heritage. So with that in mind, we are rocking the old school Hartford Whaler's jersey today because we can't do a Rangers Hurricanes preview without remembering our heritage. And bonus points the person who can tell me who was on the back of my jersey and his son is in the NHL Jeff Phil. Jeff ding 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 ding, ding. First guess, how did we know
2: <laughs> that you said son and as soon as I saw it was old school because that's one of my all-time favorite jerseys by the way I've been yep. trying to get hands on one of those for probably close to 10 years now um but yeah as soon as I you said son I was I knew it was Sanderson so
0: all right, everybody. Well, a couple things just to mention. Uh, usually after most of the post-game shows, we're going to have either me or Philk doing it. If it's not that, we're going to do it the day after. So you can always watch the final buzzer with John Bukowski. And you can go to Big Apple Hockey Podcast and you can read my predictions for this series. I have it up right over here. And can the Rangers weather the hurricanes? As well as tomorrow's show... Uh, That I should be doing with Anthony. Um, What time, by the way? What? What time are you doing that, by the way? Uh, I could try to do it early. I'll see. I'll see about it. Anthony usually does one o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would be great to have all three of us again. So I'll Mm. I'll see if I can get that done. Right behind me, I have an Adam Fox signed uh, autograph picture, and uh, we're going to be giving that away to a subscriber. That is why it's, I keep on saying you have to be subscribed in order to get that. So let's get down to business guys. Rangers versus hurricanes. Rangers were one and three versus hurricanes in this season. And let's look at the stars for a second the stars. Mika Zibanejad is the guy that I'm going to highlight for the New York Rangers. Cause he woke up in the playoffs, uh, in game six, he's got three goals. And obviously that game high goal was so huge. And, uh, Hey guys, you you know one of the guys I always gush about whenever I talk about opposing players, but Sebastian Aho, and look at those numbers, damn! And he can and he can also defend. Uh, what what other stars are the stars you guys looking at in this series, Phil?
2: I've got to look at Artemi Panarin. Um, I, if I can do a one, Artemi Panarin here because he's got to show up. He's got to be there from game one and, and forward. Uh, but the other one I've got to look at because I I just, I'm baffled about how he had this many points in the series, but Adam Fox had 10 points in seven games. Like how, because everybody was looking at him for having a much maligned series defensively and he's got 10 points. So, um, I have to look at the two of those guys.
1: All right. Pete, what about you? Yeah, Mark, and you had already mentioned that The contribution that we've seen from Sebastian Aho has just been tremendous. 37 goals this season, solid two-way player. A little bit cool in the first round, only had five points against Boston. Matchups were a little bit difficult for him, especially for the road games. The guy I do want to look at is Jacob Slavin. He has just been a stud on the back end, tied for the team lead with eight points in the first round, two goals, six assists. He has been stellar both on the offensive and on the defensive end as well. In the Game 7 matchup against Boston, 13 times during five-on-five play, Boston tried to skate the puck into the zone. Only twice they were able to do it. The other 11 times the play got thwarted or they just had to dump it in. He has been a monster just on, on both ends. And when we look at players that contribute in a defensive way, like a defensive defenseman award, Jacob Slavin one of the first guys that we really have to think about. So I think he and Ahu are going to be big stars in this series.
0: I have to say this part of the problem with having intelligent contributors is that sometimes they'll get ahead of what you have in your rundown. Because for the New York Rangers on defense, I had Adam Fox highlighted. And also for the Carolina Hurricanes, I had Jacob Slavin highlighted. So thank you, boys. You just got out that segment. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, all right. It- further elaborate on Pete's point,
2: I, I, you know me, Mark. I've said many times that Jacob Slavin, one-on-one, on one might be the best defensive defenseman in the entire league. I think I might have him ahead of Victor Hedman at this point. For Carolina to get a, a team leading eight points out of Jacob Slavin being a plus 10 while having that elite stellar shutdown defensive play. That's going to be a very, very daunting task for whatever line of those top two lines that end up getting matched up against Jacob Slavin's line uh, pairing. So, and not to think like, of it as a Ranger fan.
0: Case he, a point with that too, Phil. Um, if you remember the last game the Rangers played against the Hurricanes, Panarin had a shift where he just he made some highlight film moves on Slavin and kind of embarrassed him for a second, and still nothing came of it. Well, that just goes to show you Carolina's team defense as well. I mean,
2: even if their best defender is getting embarrassed like that, then the rest of the team covers and, and, and covers up the mistake there, you know, and that's just how good Carolina is. So it's going to be a tall task.
0: Well, we're going to go over to the goaltenders right now. And of course, you, you got to start with the Hart Trophy candidate or finalist. Igor Sesturkin, legendary regular season. The numbers in the playoffs have been getting better slowly but surely. Uh, He was at a 906 save percentage, 0.91. That's not going to get it done against Carolina. Uh, It got it done barely against Pittsburgh, but that's a different story. So those numbers need to go up, and they have been going up. That's the good news. But the other news that came in there is Freddie Anderson uh, has not practiced and will not play until he practices, as per uh, Rod Brindamore, the information I got from the man down in the box over there. And that means former Ranger. And by the way, I can't believe we haven't said these words enough, former Ranger, because there's six of them six for of the them Rangers. Work. And, and uh, also, while we're at it, Adam Fox is a former Carolina Hurricane property. So Auntie Ronta is got the net tell me about Antti Ranta in the first round.
1: He did what he was expected to do in the first round. He was with the Rangers for a period of time. You guys are are familiar with what he can do, what he can't do. Let's face facts. If both goaltenders play to their full capability, the Rangers are going to have an edge in net. That could be a problem for Carolina. Ranta is not a guy that's going to steal many games, but he's also not a guy that's really going to let in soft goals. He plays a solid, consistent game. He makes the saves that you would expect him to make. The concern is going to be what happens after Ronda, right? He sort of reminds me of the Nick Foles of NHL goaltenders in the sense that he's a guy that when you play him for a a short period of time, he's going to produce well. But then as soon as he's in there for a period and gets exposed, the end result is not going to, to be well. So, Ronta right now, he's riding the wave of solid play. Carolina can survive for a little bit with him in net. I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain his play for an entire series to beat a team with the firepower that the Rangers have. And what's interesting is going to be how Brindamore handles it if Anderson is ready to play. Brindamore has mentioned that Anderson will not play until he practices and Brendamore has been elusive about when that practice is is going to be. Anderson did skate yesterday, but he didn't practice. I'd be surprised just reading behind the tea leaves if Anderson does play in this series, and having Ranta for an entire series against the Rangers scares me.
0: Well, uh, and by the way, in researching Freddie Anderson over the last month, I, I was shocked when I found out he's married to Hillary Knight. So it's... Wait, One of those things where I'm like, if I if I was married to Hillary Knight, I wouldn't want to leave the house either. Wait, Anthony Ranta is married to Hillary Knight? <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry, Freddie Anderson. No, Freddie, Freddie Anderson. Oh, yeah, yeah, say. no, not Anthony Ranta. Philk, uh, really quick, your thoughts on Igor Sisterkin. Um, I'm gonna bring
2: this comment back up again from Stephen because this is just please do. It, it it was just really what I was thinking about. Um, they survived around with. Igor's worst performance for an extended period of time in his entire NHL career so far. Yep. Um, The one thing, because I, I, again, I I ultimately think Carolina wins the series because I just think this team is not there yet. Spoiler. um, I do think that they're going to give Carolina much more of a fight than a lot of people think. And I think that Igor Shosturkin is going to play better in this series than he did the last. And if the defense continues to play the way that they did in the last couple of games and really lock it down when they need to, I, I think they have a much better chance against Carolina than a lot of people are, are giving right now. So,
0: Well, also as, um, as, as we're kind of alluding to before with my panelists and we got, we got a lot of knowledgeable fans, Thank you very much, guys. You're getting a little bit ahead of me too, so don't worry, because all that's going to be coming back. By the way, everybody, if you haven't done it yet, don't forget to uh, uh, share and subscribe, smash that like, and then like subscribe. All right. So, getting back to this, uh, we're going to go to the under the radar players now. I don't, I'm not going to have yours in a second, Phil. But first, Pete, who do you got for your under the radar player that we're not talking about?
1: I suspect that we're going to talk about him rather soon, and he had a monster game seven for Carolina, and that's Max Domi. Max Domi is a player that we acquired at the trade deadline. I think he struggled a little bit to find his role when he first came to the Canes. He only had seven points in the 19 games that he did play for Carolina, bounced a little bit between the second and fourth line. I think he's found his spot on that second line. And as long as he can have that space there, he knows that he isn't going to get moved. This is a player that can just focus on bringing offense. And one of the strengths of Carolina's team is that they don't have to rely on those top-end players. There will be guys on the second, third, and the fourth lines who contribute. It seems to be different players all the time. Max Domi was that guy that came through in Game 7. I think he's found some legs. I think his comfort level is getting where it needs to be. And I would expect him to continue the momentum that he built at the end of the Boston series. And we're going to see a different Max Domi coming up. So you see, Lauren, you
0: made a good prediction with Max Domi. Phil, who's your under-the-radar hurricane? My
2: under-the-radar hurricane, um, I, I think that he's really kind of surrounded by a great group to help him grow and he's, he's going to show some results, I think, in this series, and I'm not looking forward to it, is probably Seth Jarvis. Um, I
0: almost named him, but keep going.
2: He, yeah, uh, Seth the Seth Jarvis is a part of a real good forward group, and this is how you have to bring young forwards along. You have to bring them along with a good supporting cast, good veteran group, skilled group, and just kind of allow them to play their game. Carolina has really allowed Seth Jarvis to, to go out and just develop on his own and just find his way and he, you could see the growth in his game, and I, I really think that that's someone that we're probably going to be talking about more than we'd like to as Ranger fans.
0: So. And we don't, I don't want to be talking too much about him. By the <laughs> way, I haven't done this all show. I'm just going to do this for fun right now because um, our friend Stephen, uh, Stat Boy Stephen, over at Rangers Review just mentioned him a minute ago. I am going to call him Justin just for the sake of doing it, okay. but it, uh, it's 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 Justin nacious. No, it's Marty Natchez. Marty Natus is my <laughs> is my sleeper player, the the under-the-radar guy. He's got no points uh, – sorry, no goals yet in the playoffs, but he's got three assists. He's a guy that I'd be afraid of just going off, and he very much can, and especially with the, that unit. Ugh, that that unit that he plays on. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Pete, by the way, used to have a go-whale license plate. Um, yeah, I, I love that. Job. I was that guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not even going to lie. What do you mean was <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> going over to the Rangers and they're under the radar player. Phil, I got to start with you.
2: It's funny because I, I mentioned the growth of the young kids, not only over um, the, the last you know, few parts of uh, the last few months of the season, but um You know, Alexi Lafreniere really kind of taking a step. I think he was from start to finish their best player in the playoffs so far uh, forward wise, but um, a guy that's not getting enough love. And I think he's going to, uh, I think he's going to have a good series. And if we're going to need him to, it's going to be Capo Capo. Caco. I think that's a guy that really has to come out and just kind of make a name for himself in this next series, because, depth is going to win this series and if the rangers bottom six especially that kid line can continue to play that they play uh, the way they played against pittsburgh against carolina it goes a hell of a long way for them to be able to be competitive and kind of take this series to six seven games maybe even possibly win it so capo caco looking
0: forward to seeing you uh, kind of evolve here and you actually stole mine, so I'm gonna to have to come up with another one while Pete's talking. But and actually, I do have another one, so don't worry about that. But uh, there are so many things Kapokako does that doesn't show up on the score sheet. So when you look at him and go goal and an assist, that's really that's it. That's the big player you got. Well, when it comes to that, that kid, look at that that shift in game five for 30 seconds. He just went back and forth and back and forth, and they they, they could the, the Penguins couldn't even get the puck off his stick. So that's <laughs> the thing. You you talked about football before. The
2: way that I liken Capocaco to like a football term would be how like the New York Giants used to use Brandon Jacobs, Derek Ward, and Amagas, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And how Brandon Jacobs would just come in and wear down defensive lines for Mm -hmm. however many minutes. And then Bradshaw would come on and slice through. Capo Caco has the ability to do that to defenses with the way he can control the puck along the boards and win those 50-50 and loose puck battles. So caco got to do that to Carolina defense.
1: Absolutely. Pete, who's your guy? My guy is going to be Ryan Reeves. And Ryan Reeves, of course, is a player that we're not looking to get offense from from the Rangers. Ryan Reeves, of course, brings just such a physical intimidating presence to the team, And as this series unfolds, we're going to notice Carolina's speed and we're going to notice Carolina's depth. And there's a huge edge, I think, that the Hurricanes have in that regard. Where the Hurricanes are going to struggle a little bit is their physical jam and the ability to match the toughness that the Rangers are capable of presenting. That first period that the Rangers played in game one against Pittsburgh, I can't remember a time in the recent past that I've seen a team commit more to physical play and take the body the way that they did. For me, that was the story of that first period. And I think it set the tone for a a period of time. Carolina doesn't really have the makeup to match that. There are certain players on the team that are capable of getting into some post-whistle scrums and throwing the body around a little bit. But Ryan Reeves is that guy that can take it to another level. And if the Rangers take a decision to commit to physical play and Reeves is engaged the way that we've seen. That's going to present in, in a big issue for Carolina. Now
0: I got to come up with one on the fly for my under the radar guy because Phil stole mine. Thanks, buddy. Uh, but um, but it's going to be Brandon Schneider. And uh, you got to look at Brandon Schneider and think if he's going to be playing the way that he has been when Patrick Nemeth has been nowhere near him then he's likely to have a better plus minus rating. Everything has gotten better for him. He's starting to actually grow more before us. And after all, like right when he got drafted, John Davidson said, that's the defenseman that helps you win Stanley Cups. Guess what? That's what he's here for. And I, I, I you know, I like it. It's sort of to when you get those defensive guys in the lineup, just gets longer, sort of like when the Rangers got Kevin Klein, and then you could win those, uh, those, those, third the third pairing matchups. So hopefully that could actually help out for the Rangers. And speaking of matchups, that's exactly where we're going to be getting there. Uh, yes, Joe, I agree with you 100% on that. I want them to be to, okay. to be just as physical.
1: That. Yeah, that's a concern.
0: And a matter a matter of fact, if Barkley Goodrow gets back, that could really change things. Sammy so Boy. key matchup to watch uh, I'm going to uh, see to our guest first. Who do you got, Pete?
1: So for me, it's not a specific player-on-player matchup, but it's how Rod Brindamore elects to deploy the Jordan Stall line. And okay. Boston and the Rangers are similar teams in the sense that there is top-level talent in that front three, front four. And Brindamore committed to have the niederreier Stall Foss line go up against the Perfection line, it worked like a charm in Carolina. It did not work during the road games. And it's interesting to see how Moore utilizes that stall line. If he puts them on the, the Benajad line, I think that is going to be a big advantage for Carolina because I trust Stall to be able to control that line a little bit. We'll put Pesci and Shea on the back end. And that really leaves the Rangers in a compromised position where the bottom six is going to have to produce if they have a chance in this series. I don't know if that's what Brendan Moore is going to do, though. I, I don't know if he's going to make that commitment to have Stahl go against that line or if he's going to mix and match somewhat. So I'm really interested to see what he does there. But the stall line is an asset. He's incredible on face-offs. He won 59% of his face-offs against Patrice Bergeron. So he's going to win face-offs in this series. Puck possession is going to be an issue for the Rangers, especially when they're on the road. The stall line will have success in this series. I'm interested to see how he uses them.
0: You just said 59% against Patrice Bergeron in a series. One of the that's best right. guys in the league. I nearly did a spit take. If you guys even can go back and see that. Cause I, yeah. I had the coffee and then it was just like, were you kidding? In the meantime, Mika Zibanejad, you're lucky if you get, well, he's at 49% right now, but that's a different story. Yeah.
2: That's not a good stat. The key matchup for me, in this series, is not necessarily a, a, a matchup either. It's more of a mentality for me. Um, it's Carolina and their ability to control the neutral zone versus the Rangers tr- still trying to force the stretch pass. And that was a big adjustment that Gerard Gallant had to make in the last series because they kept trying to force that stretch pass, that long stretch pass. And Pittsburgh, in the middle of that series, figured out how to stop that. And it caused the Rangers problems and caused them to go down three, one. So the Rangers have to get away from that. And they have to be able to break the puck out of their own zone because Carolina is send, send, send. They will send three guys. They will send them as hard and as fast as humanly possible to try to make sure that you do not break out of your own zone at all, no matter whether you're trying to pass it or you're trying to skate it. So the, the key thing, really the Rangers ability to to make their own good first passes and move the puck out of the zone efficiently. But a big part of the problem is that they want to continue to go with that stretch pass. If Carolina gets too aggressive, they can get caught with those stretch passes, and it can lead to odd man rushes against But if they get overly reliant on it and Carolina makes the adjustment, Moore says, no, we're going to take that away. We're going to force you to play another way. And you're going to have to learn how to, you know, get out of your own zone in a much more practical and efficient way. Then that could cause a lot of problems for the Rangers. So I I want to see them get away from that. And I want to see them play the way that they played the last, I would say two games, because the last two games, they got away from that and they, they were very effective at getting zone time due to it.
0: Now, I'm going to go back to uh, what Pete was saying before about how Rod Brindamore deploys the, uh, the the Jordan Stall line as well as the Sebastian Ajo line. Because you got to figure, Stall is either going to get one of the top two lines and Sebastian Ajo is going to get the other one. So, where does that leave us? That leaves us with the Rangers kid line against the Vinny Trocheck line. And that's going to be Carolina. Right. Be, yeah. Oh, no, no. Actually, what did it say? Carolina. It, it,
2: basically said Carolina should have beat Boston in five. Why didn't they big disparity in talent? I, I mark that we'll have Pete answer that in a little bit. So, yep.
0: yeah. Also, by the way, experience does play into that as well. But, uh, so the Trocheck line, Vinny Trocheck is, we haven't even mentioned his name yet and he's quite a good player and talk about, you guys stole him from Florida, Pete, but <laughs> that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, you look at the guys on that line, uh, right now, what I said before, Marnie Natches is kind of sleeping. And uh Tavo Terravinen is yeah, just I think he's got seven points already in the playoffs. But mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. watch out the, that that line, if if the Rangers at least don't break even or uh let's say down one or two goals with that line, then it could be a long it could be a very short series if yeah. that goes the other way. Yeah. yeah. So and all credit to Filipino. Because Filipinos played better. Alexei Lafreniere has played better. Looks like played better. Uh, I, I don't know. Do we have Phil, – Phil, by the way, is there officially a line named for that or is it just the kids' line?
1: We're
2: just calling them the kid line. I, I know a bunch of people have been trying to call them the lottery line. but The last – I <laughs> people was a 21st overall pick and the Rangers made the playoffs in 2017. So that's not a lottery pick.
0: It's amazing. Someone else said that yesterday on Rangers Review. So <laughs> – Great minds think alike, Stephen. Great minds think alike. All right. So we're going to start with this one and fill in the blank. Phil, you first. The New York Rangers will win this series if?
2: Their best players are their best players for an entire series. Uh, the big problem with Pittsburgh, and they could have won that series a lot earlier and not had to go seven games, was if guys like Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, mm-hmm. Artemi Panarin, Adam Fox, were all their best players from the minute, the opening minute of game one, and they just weren't. Adam Fox's defense was um, shaky, again, like it has been, I would say, since the turn of the new year. Um, I've been talking about that for a while. Ryan Lindgren, hopefully if he's healthy. Um, I know he's playing banged up, but if he plays and he doesn't get too much more banged up that big because you saw how bad they were without him, when he came back, it was a big difference. Um, if Sammy Blay can come back this series, um, he should be close to coming back because the ACL timelines uh, are about six months. It's about six months right now, so we might see him soon. Can Barkley Goodrow come back by the end of this series? We don't know. I don't know how good he, um, what he's playing on, but the Rangers players ultimately have to be their best players. and Igor Shosturkin has to start playing more like the modern day dominant Koshrick we were seeing during the regular season. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need him at that, at that rate, at that level. So.
1: All right, Pete, how do the Rangers win the series? You know, Mark, I'm noticing that we can never let Phil go first because Phil is going to take exactly the comment that, that we're going to make. Right. So (laughs) I almost have written down in verbatim (laughs) that, the Rangers' best players have to be their best players. If that happens, Carolina is going to be up against it to win this series. And if you take a look at the Rangers' roster and the Hurricanes' roster, and we took those 40 players and we put them into a pool, and we were going to draw teams based upon those 40 players, I can make a case that the top five selections are going to be Rangers. So with that being said, when we do a postmortem on the series – and we say, you know what, those five players, and I'm talking about the three forwards, and I'm talking about Igor and, and Adam Fox, if those guys end up being the best players in the series, we're likely talking about the Rangers going to the conference finals. But if those players are not the best five players in the series, it shapes up for Carolina to win this just because of the depth that they have on the team. So if those five, if they are the best players in the series, they're going to be real difficult to beat. Well, Pete, you know what the advantage is about being a
0: theater kid is learning how to think on the fly and improv. <laughs> so um, ah! I, I had that answer, <laughs> but I'm going to change it up a little bit. First things first, don't get into another power play or penalty box uh, parade because after all, they did that with the Penguins. The Penguins had the third best power play in the NHL. Who's got the number one power play? I forgot. i oh, sorry, penalty kill I meant to say. Oh yeah, that would be, that would be the Carolina Hurricanes. And so if Carolina wants to get aggressive with the Rangers and they know they can kill off the penalty, they'll just do that. Now the Bruins did make him pay. And that's where they, that's why the series went seven. The other thing, the other thing I'm thinking about is you got to exploit the Brady Shea uh, matchup. Uh, You got to attack him. I know Brady Shea is a better player than what Ranger fans remember him. I mean, we all think he disappeared in 2018 after game two and we never saw him again. But on the other hand, uh, it's it, he does give the puck away. And by the way, that's another thing about this about this series. Rangers got to stop giving the pucks away. Uh, number one on the Rangers in turnovers, I believe, is Artemi Panarin. And number two is Andrew Copp right now. Nope. Got to stop doing that. Um, This team will feast on you. And, and that's just what they're going to do. Do the Rangers have more high-end talent? Yeah. But the Carolina Hurricanes boast a lot of great defensive players. And you know who else we haven't mentioned? Former New York Rangers Jesper Fost. and he's had a pretty good season oh by the way he plays with Jordan Stahl oh that's going to be a fun matchup having those two guys up against whoever star that they're going to be going up against so guys and Pete I'm going to go right back to you the Hurricanes will win this series if
1: the Hurricanes will win this series if it is a five-on-five series in the last three times that Carolina has made the playoffs they've been eliminated by Boston twice and Tampa Bay The kryptonite in those series has been Carolina getting undisciplined, taking penalties, and having the power plays for those high-powered offenses just kill us, and there was never any kind of recovery when that happened. Carolina must stay disciplined. They cannot let the high-end Ranger players have power plays. If you do that too often, the Rangers will burn you, and Carolina will be up against it to win this thing. If they just maintain a five-on-five setup, do not take the undisciplined penalties. I think the speed and the depth, especially that Hurricane's bottom six, we're going to see that emerge the longer that this series goes. Stay out of the box, keep it five-on-five, and I like our chances. Philk. <sighs> he took my point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 what goes around comes around. So, <laughs> well done. and a boy, Mark. Well done. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give you that. But, um, I, I mean, I could say a couple of things here. The, the first thing would probably be the power plays. Um, if Carolina's penalty kill holds up and can, can keep the Rangers' power play off the board, because I think they're going to take penalties regardless. Um, aside from, obviously, Pittsburgh, because whatever is going on in Pittsburgh with them and how the fact they don't get called for anything these days is just ridiculous – but we've seen penalties called at an alarmingly high rate across the board playoffs this year, and I, I know the both of you can attest to that. It's just we we are seeing calls that don't normally get called that would be regular season calls. So I think there's going to be a bunch of penalties called in this series. If Carolina's power uh, penalty kill can stop the Rangers' power play, that's a big thing. But if Carolina can also control the neutral zone, because the Rangers are a very much rush oriented team, and that's why their five on five offense was um bad it was for a big part of the season it was their refusal to stray from generating chances off the rush and starting to generate offense from down low and, and winning those board battles and those 50-50 battles down low and to generate off the cycle. Um, this Ranger team loves the rush. They've loved it since David Quinn was coaching. They still love it during Gerard Galant. is not going to give them that. So um, if they can control the neutral zone, that, that's a that's a big thing for me for Carolina.
0: Ha! Huh. You guys took you guys have some pretty good answers. I'm going to say as long as it doesn't get into a high scoring, uh, any high scoring games, that'll definitely favor Carolina. They could just take care of business at home in this series. They did it in the last series. And uh, one guy that we haven't mentioned yet, and I got to mention this. Uh, former New York Ranger Tony D'Angelo, if he focuses to on the ice stuff and not trying to mix it up after a play, then the Rangers could be in trouble. Now, if he plays just average defense, he'll, they'll be fine. But I think he's paired with Slavin, right, Pete?
1: He sure is.
0: Okay, so you won't have to worry about... If he doesn't play any defense, who cares? Slavin plays all the defense then. That's right. So, uh, Except- so guys... So we outlined way better than Jeff Boom. Oh, yeah. Well, Book, Book. I mean, it's a shame. Uh, Brian, Brian Leach lost Jeff Boom. It was just never the same. Although Boom did have the great ESPN commercial with Steve Levy, what he called a Pukaboom. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> we're going to go to our predictions and we're going to start with Pete. What do you got?
1: I think it's really close. I look at The Rangers roster, I look at the Boston roster, they are similar to me. They're similarly structured. The edge that the Rangers will have against a team like Boston, per se, is that you have that gentleman in net. And Phil brought in mind earlier that he mentioned the name Hasek, and that's exactly what I was thinking during the regular season. If the Shisterkin that we see in this series is the Shisterkin that we've seen in the regular season, he's capable of stealing games on his own. And we've seen this in the playoffs before, where you will have these goaltenders that just put the team on their back. It's towards the other team, and it becomes mental after a while. There's a concern that that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I think the Hurricanes are just a bit deeper. They're a bit faster. And I think if Carolina can neutralize or be even with the top six of the Rangers. I think the bottom six of Carolina is going to emerge as the dominating force as the series unfolds. We've seen this so many times in the playoffs, a puck bounce here, a broken stick, a dropped helmet. I mean, shoot, anything can happen for a series to end and and for it to turn. But if we don't have anything obscure like that happens, I think Carolina's depth is going to wear down the Rangers a little bit. So with that, I'm going to say the Hurricanes in six games to advance to the Eastern Conference final. Coke.
2: That was my pick. Uh, six games exactly. Um, I, I think that ultimately, like Pete said, it's it's the bottom six depth that, that does it for me. Um, it's it's the experience also that does it for me. Like this group is a bit more experienced in the playoffs. Um, I think they're also better built for the playoffs. Right now, they play a more rough and tumble game than the Rangers would like to. But if the Rangers can change that, they can change it. But uh, I will say this that comment before I'm going to bring this up right now, just because I okay. will I'll have Pete answer this uh, after I address it, but Carolina should have beaten Boston in five. I had Carolina beating Boston in five and there was a big disparity in talent. There was a big disparity in depth, but Boston and they have a good defensive group. Hampus went home and Charlie McAvoy is one of the best defensive pairings in the entire NHL right now. But, they should have beaten them in more. And you could say the same thing for the Rangers in Pittsburgh. The Rangers should have beaten Pittsburgh in five or six, but I think the Rangers can only go up from where they played the last series. I think they can only get better. Like you can't, I don't think you can play like worse than the way that they played. They shot themselves in the foot for a lot of that series. Carolina played a good series. And even though they did kind of take too many penalties, I I still think that they're going to play to that level in this series. So I think the Rangers can make this a lot closer than people will think. I I think that the Rangers will probably be in very close games with them, but ultimately it's six games. So um, I want you to address that question, Pete.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's something that I've certainly thought about quite a bit. The series against Boston lasted longer than – It should have. I had Carolina winning. I didn't think it was going to be a nail-biter in Game 7. So why didn't they win in 5? I I think there's a couple of of reasons behind it. Phil, you mentioned it earlier. Carolina needs to stay out of the box. There was one game in that series against Boston where Boston had nine power plays, and that's just not going to cut it. When you let those players on the ice, arguably the best line in the NHL, on their whole mice, you're sticking your head into the lion's mouth. You you can't do that. And especially against a team like the Rangers that have similar uh, top end players, that's just not going to fly. So I, that's one of the reasons why Carolina couldn't put it away uh, sooner. And another trend that emerged in that series is Carolina wasn't able to get the matchups that they wanted to have. They wanted to have. And, more so than other series in recent memory. The home ice advantage became obvious to Carolina in the sense that they were able to put the stall line on the ice. The perfection line did nothing in the four games in, in Carolina. But when the series shifted to Boston, Boston had the matchups that they wanted and the Ajo line was on the ice instead of the stall line and that contributed to the success that Boston had on offense. And I, I know in recent years we haven't really considered home ice to be the factor that it may have been in the past, but I think that might be coming back a bit. And especially as we have these specialists in the face-off circle now and with line combinations becoming so important in the evolution of the game, uh, we'll see that being a factor. And I think the matchup issues that we had is why Carolina couldn't close it out sooner. And that's
0: why I think, actually, that's actually why I put up the matchup is always a key matchup. There's something, because that's what comes out in the playoff series. It's going to be, can I get my guys against your guys? Because they haven't been doing what the Devils used to do all the time, where it'd be like, oh, look, uh, Cam Neely's on the ice. Quick, uh, I have one unit out there get called Lemieux out there like right now. They'll actually go the full ship with those guys sometimes, and they need to start changing a little bit more. Guys, I have to say this. I have the Canes in seven. Uh, I think exactly what we're talking about. Home ice is going to be very important. And I also think if the Rangers want to win this series, they're going to have to win two road games, not one. And uh, they were able to get away with that with the Penguins. Carolina is a different animal. Uh, They're going to have to own the third periods. And they haven't exactly done that in the regular season versus Carolina. And it's – there's – there's just a lot that they're going to have to overcome. And while it can happen, it can definitely happen. That's why we outline how the Rangers can win this series and why Carolina might win that series. But it's, it's just, it's Carolina can wear you down, frustrate you defensively. And then the next thing, you know, sort of like the game for uh, about a month ago where Rangers had it in the third period, Jacob Truba pinches up on, uh, I think it was Sebastian Ajo. He sends the lead pass in. Seth Jarvis goes in alone. 2-1 Carolina. They don't look back. Before you know it, Jordan Stahl hits home a loose puck. So it's – and even though the Rangers can lose by a goal and make it close, like they did in the last game, they were down 4-1, they made, they lost 4-3. But it's that – they're going to have to play mistake-free. You Cannot let Carolina – and just capitalize on your mistakes. Big thing for
2: me. And you know what we should have done? We should have done players that have to have to step up and improve their games. Like players that play right now.
1: One...
2: Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one right off the bat for the Rangers Jacob Truba. Mm-hmm. Jacob Truba had to be far better than he was in the previous series. There were too many times where he got victimized. And that's the biggest worry for me because. Pete talked about Carolina's speed and their depth and how all four of those lines can come at you with that type of speed. Jacob Truba is not well-equipped to handle that type of speed. So if he does not start playing his his uh, gaps better, if he does not start you know paying more attention to his zone assignments and and stop getting caught out of position, um, this is going to be a long series for him. So step your game up,
0: Jake. It's time. Pete, give me a game that has to step up.
1: Brendan Smith, you guys are very familiar with this guy. Third defense pair for Carolina has been an issue. Over the last couple months of the regular season, the Hurricanes were rotating Ian Cole, Ethan Bear, and Brendan Smith. Two of those guys would play every game. The third would be a healthy scratch. In the first round, Brenda Moore took a decision that Ethan Bear was going to be the guy that sits. I'd much rather Bear be in the lineup than Smith. I like Smith's effort. He means well. There's too many ill-fated decisions as far as pinching in. I, I can't count how many times in the Boston series that Boston was able to extend the rally because Smith would take a dubious decision about whether, about what to do with, with uh, the puck. And that's not going to work against Carolina. If the Rangers were able to crowd the net and get some kind of presence there and Smith is on the ice, I just don't trust that he's going to make the decisions needed that we need him to make. So I, I'm just so concerned about the third pair. Uh, I'd love to see, Ethan bear in the lineup rather than Smith, but I don't think that's going to happen. Anytime the third defensive pair comes on the ice, that's the time in which you're going to hold your breath for a minute and hope that nothing bad happens.
0: All right. So we got a couple good ones. Uh, Cause part of me wants to say Brett Pesci and, and uh, Brady Shea is going to have to step up for the Canes for the Canes. I'm going to say Jordan Martinuk in that line has got to step up. Um, I mean, we know Domi had a massive game seven, but he, that was the only two goals he scored in the entire series. Uh, Derek Stepan, he's always uh, just a great player. I, I love Derek Stepon, um, but that, that I think that their fourth line has to beat the Rangers fourth line for yeah. starters, And especially if the Rangers get back Sammy Blaine um, and uh, Tyler Mott's going to be running all over everybody. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do. With I, this
2: series. I love having him back for the series. I
0: do. Uh, I I'd actually say you actually really can't lose Tyler Mott over Andrew cop, but that's just me. So guys. So what do you think about our predictions? Uh, you've been listening to us for about half an hour, actually 40 minutes. So now we're going to start listening to you guys. We'll start getting to the comments.
1: Uh, and I haven't even gotten to any of these, uh, you know, Mark, I want to circle back onto something you mentioned earlier. We just had a discussion about the Hurricanes' fourth line and the production that we might or might not get from them. Yeah. I'm interested to see how the lines are going to shake out tomorrow. Uh, Max Domi has been a guy that has rotated between the second and the fourth line. In Game 7 against Boston, he was paired with Trocek and Teravainen on the second line. We saw how, we saw how, uh, how potent they were. So with that fourth line, we don't necessarily know who's going to be on it. Uh, Marty Natchez should probably be on the line. We will have uh, Kiniemi centering that line. And as far as Jordan Martin goes, he's been injured. He didn't play the last four games of the series. He did practice with the team yesterday. I'm optimistic he's going to be in the lineup. So if we see Domi on the second line and we have that, that fourth line with Kiniemi. Natchez, Martin Nook, I think that's the best lineup that we can put out there.
0: Wonder how many times Sam Rosen would call him Joe Pesci as well, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> um, at some point, well, Justin Pesci also. Damn, damn, uh, wait, damn, I, I, I think I could almost get a quick description of Patrick Memmott's game. No, all right, I can't fart it out, so it's just, yeah, yeah. Um, it's. If he, if he doesn't play
2: and this team actually keeps Braun and Schneider together or Zach Jones somehow steps into the lineup, um, they're, they're going to be so much better off without having Patrick Nemeth in a lineup. Because I talked about Jacob Truba being bad. Patrick Nemeth is a special level of bad that shouldn't be on NHL ice. Like I, I feel like I'm literally watching a, a dumpster on fire rolling around on ice every time Patrick Nemeth is on the
0: So he can't play. Uh, actually, you know, something, uh, there's something we, we didn't do to start this and we've done this for a lot of our, um, uh, preview shows. But first I do have to say this, uh, 79% of people in are saying that the New York Rangers are going to win this series and only 21% for the Carolina hurricanes. Phil, I'm going to highlight you. I want you to give me your best W, uh, just wrestling. Smack oh talk. my god oh, And, I, don't and have I want you to give it give it Just just go ahead and give it Tell me what the uh, New York Rangers are going to do In this series to Carolina
2: god. <laughs> Carolina
0: <laughs> You have
2: ventured into the Valley of the dead and Now you take On the New York Rangers And the Undertaker says at the end of this series, you will rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you <laughs> on the spot there, like yeah, well, you know what? That was you did,
1: impressive. You did just fine with that, Pete. You want to give it a try? Geez, Mark, way to put your guests on the spot here. But (laughs) I'll tell you what, we are in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs, and we have the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. And the Rangers are going to have to come down to Carolina and win a couple games if they want to win this series. But it will not happen because we have the nature boy, Rick Flair, supporting the Carolina Hurricanes. Woo! (laughs) Uh
0: Uh-oh. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah! Very nice, boys. Very nice. Like I said, you got to think on this on the fly sometimes, and otherwise you end up saying the wrong name, and it lasts for the rest I'm of your life. Flair so
2: the of these, so I I couldn't do Flair anymore. Um, I I did Hogan. I I've done Macho before.
0: I always do Macho. I always go to Macho. He's he always has the uh, he he. Well, for lack of a better word, he has the flair. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oh, Warren, you got this one right here to be the man. Oh, sorry. You got it. You got to be clicked it at the same time. You got to beat the man. All right. So uh, what questions do you guys have about uh, the Rangers and the Carolina series? We're going to be here for at least um, what, another half hour for both of you guys. One o'clock.
2: I even I got to I got to go in a few, but I'll, I'll make here. a couple of points before uh, I go. Um, this was all I asked for at the start of the season when we did our season previews, is that they make the playoffs, they went around and they progress. And um, I posted before on my Twitter account just a couple of takeaways from that series, and that um, one of them was that the kids got valuable experience. They faced adversity, losing some key players in Lundgren for a little bit. Uh, Goudreau, obviously, Mott not being there for the start of the series. Sammy Blake not mm-hmm. being there. Um, and then they went down 3-1 in the series, faced elimination in three straight games, came back, got game seven, got game seven experience at home. The kids turned a corner. You saw the growth of guys like Lafreniere, Paco, Schneider, and DeAndre Miller, who was an absolute stud and probably their best defenseman through the entire series for the Rangers, I think, despite playing with a guy who couldn't hold his own weight uh, throughout the series in Jacob Truba. Um it just, it, it, this is, this was great for them. So, so what happens, it was a step in the right direction, but you know, let's go out there and give this Carolina team hell and let's see if we can get on to that next round. So, cause in 2014, I didn't think they were beating Pittsburgh, but what happened? They came together, they galvanized and they ended up going to the Stanley cup finals. So they beat Carolina. I think they could beat just about anybody.
0: I don't know where to go with that right now. <laughs> That's what I have to say. I'm still looking at the Sammy Blay injury right now because I'm trying to get some um, news on him. But uh, 19 and – yeah, actually, that was a great statistic.
2: It's a really good statistic. And, yeah, I saw Stephen Valaket. I actually posted that on my Twitter Alcat is truly one of the Ranger fans and I think that's part of the reason why he's beloved by this fan base is not only does he bring in the analytics but he knows how to and that's the biggest thing for me. Like analytics are helpful to a point. But when you have these guys going around making these clown show level takes based off of a bunch of charts that they've done no such sort of research into this is more any context. So when learn how to stray the line between the analytics and the eye test it endears him to me more and i think just that and the fan just the fan aspect of him just he that's why he's loved by this fan base
0: yeah and uh by the way what was this saying uh, on TNT?
2: I I could care less about what that clown says. Him and uh, Crying Whitney can uh, get out of my feeds. Those guys are clowns.
0: clowns. And uh, <laughs> Valley is a Rangers fan. Don't care what he has to say. Valley is great. I got to tell you, Valley is great. And Valley is just a true gentleman. Really tall. And when I say really six, tall, five, I got a picture six. Yeah, six, five, He's like yeah. six six. He I, is, mean, I, think, I didn't even make his shoulder, and I'm like, five eight. So, but. yeah, he's,
2: he's six, legit six six. I've actually ran into him outside the garden um, once, and I, I talked with him for a little bit. He is just huge.
0: I mean, not all of us can have the hotline. Stephen has so <laughs> that <laughs> uh, Valiquette will call Stat Boy Stephen right away <laughs> to be like, "Wait, I need this."
2: Yeah. Tara making fun of him was absolutely hilarious. I love Tara. I do. She's great.
0: Yeah. Tara's great too. Uh, I mentioned it on, um, I made a comment on Rangers review yesterday. It's great that we have this great YouTube community. I always heard about it, but it is, it is true. We're not really we're we're not really uh, competing against each other. It's community. We got a lot of things. And by the way, we don't. I didn't see uh, if D. Ealy was in in there, but he would have loved how much Canes were talking, especially being a Canes fan. Uh, yeah, Valdez, G. Miller, fantastic. Yep. Put put in perspective how much the Rangers, or the, how well the Rangers studio guys cover the team. Steve Alquette took a puck in the face and and just <laughs> kept going uh oh is did I say steve no, it's john giannone i mean yeah john giannone it was mark stall hit him in the face with the puck so uh wednesday night is gonna be the first game so probably be a lot of text between us pete
1: yeah absolutely and you know to hear you guys talk about steve Valiquette and his fandom and his loyalty to the franchise i'd be remiss if i didn't mention uh trip tracy and the contributions yeah. that he's made to carolina uh trip tracy has been with the organization for now over 20 years he's probably the most loyal caniac out there falling on some hard times recently he's not he's not with the team right now so hopefully trip is resting and he's doing a bit better and getting everything in order that that, that he has to work on but Three years ago, when the Hurricanes beat the Islanders in the second round of of the Eastern Conference playoffs, I had the opportunity to go to Carolina for the clinching Game Four, and of course, I stuck around for all the post game and outside of the arena. There's Trip Tracy out on the scissor lift, getting everybody to do the skull clap, and I got to shoot the breeze with him for a couple of minutes after they did their their local show down in the Carolinas. And just a heck of a nice guy. We just we talked hockey. We had some Islander fans down there too that we were we were talking hockey with and you know what, no matter what team you you support, it's great to see just the fandom between the fans and the analysts and just the respectable community and just how down to earth everybody is. So uh, I see it a little bit, you know, when I get to watch uh, Steve Valaket, I I'm happy for the Ranger fans that they're able to see the enthusiasm that he brings to the broadcast. And I'm certainly fortunate that in Carolina, we have one of our own also.
0: And then before that, you also had uh, John Forslund, who was uh, your play-by-play guy, right? He was, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of those uh, those good guys that are right there. And I'm just going to – You look back a, to the Hartford days, Mark. Yeah. I mean, the Hartford – whenever, by the way, whenever I think about the Hartford Whale, as I always think about uh, the story when Brendan Shanahan was traded for Chris Pronger, and Chris Pronger showed up overweight and Brendan and – Keenan's just staring at him, saying, "You don't know, you know who I, I traded for you," but um, the uh, but yeah, we need to get some. There will be I, there will be a Justin Huberto uh shirt <laughs> eventually, one of these days, and people are going to understand what that joke is. Um, but one thing, but one thing is, I'm I surprised and delighted how successful Carolina has been in their history down on Tobacco Road, and. They they've really built this franchise. They it's been it's almost like the uh, the line from "Feel the Dreams." They it was erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. And uh, they they went on some hard times. You, they went with Rod more eventually. By the way, they couldn't hire Paul Maurice again. It's it's you went Paul Maurice, Peter Lavallette, Paul Maurice. So.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, and Mark, and if you think about where the Hurricanes organization is now, it's probably one of the more healthier franchises in the NHL. It's a wonderful yep. home ice advantage. It's a great place to play. It wasn't always like that. And at the end of the 96, 97 season, when the Whalers moved to Carolina, there were many Whaler fans that were not supportive of that move. Obviously, I was one of them, of course, but you had about half, half of the fan base said that, you know what, we're never going to support this franchise again, and we hope they crash and burn. And then you have the other half of the fan base that said, you know what, we're hockey fans, we love the players, we're going to support these guys. And I'm one of those guys that I love hockey, I need a team to support, and I'm going to support these guys. And there's been a lot of lean years in Carolina. You know, before this four-year playoff run, it was 10 consecutive years of not making the playoffs. So this is appreciated now that this team is good, the franchise is healthy, and you just want it to stay that way. But then you also got one of your
0: wishes uh, when eventually, because it took, a, it took, let's see, 2006, they were there. I think it was their seventh season, if you include the lockout and take away that one.
1: Yeah, 97-98 was the first year down there.
0: Yeah, so 98. So, yeah, it, took, it was their seventh season there when they won the Stanley Cup. And the connective tissue, the only, the last remaining, uh, I believe Hartford Whaler. Well, first off, the last remaining Hartford Whaler that was in the NHL is uh, J.S. Jaguar. But uh, you got Glenn Wesley, and Philk is back now. And Glenn Wesley winning a Stanley Cup, which was always a good thing. So yeah. you got that connective tissue of the guy who was so long in Hartford and. Such a great player for for them, and then they they win a cup for him in 2006, erasing that memory of him hitting the crossbar in 1990 with the Boston Bruins. So, yeah, but yeah,
2: yeah. No, I I just wanted to. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here, so I just wanted to uh, say goodbye to everybody. And uh, it was good to be on with the both of you doing this. This was actually really fun. So. I'm, I'm, so glad you, to- I'm
0: so glad last minute that you came on and uh, that you stole a lot I, of my predictions and players that I've down.
1: I'm glad for the invite. You know, Mark, you mentioned us going back to high school, right? So for 25 years, we've been talking hockey and we've never talked about a Rangers slash Whalers slash Hurricanes playoff series. And for it to finally yeah. be here, I'm glad that we have this platform and I'm glad that we have our great community and everybody can celebrate what's probably going to be a really awesome series.
0: Well, Josh and yeah, Will definitely. would be very happy when they see these highlights. Uh, <laughs> but definitely,
2: um, uh, Pete, get more often, man. Definitely like that. Yeah, appreciate
0: him. it. Well, yeah. Well, that's why he was one of the first guys that I brought in. So, uh, and we are trying to establish more of a network of bloggers and a lot of things just to to get this all going. So, uh, I got
2: that because I've seen him say it before, but. It, it, it'll never not be funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is so, it, it is actually so funny. It is. Oh my God. Very, very true. And, so, uh, so,
1: I know you have to cut out soon. So what do you do if you're Toronto? Oh my God. What do you
2: um, do? What do I, what do I do? Um, I, I try to go and see what the market is for Josh Gibson, oh, yeah, for John Gibson. Sorry, wow, I said John, John Gibson, and um, at least it well, wasn't yeah, Justin. Mark there. <laughs> yeah, we Mark, got Mark, too uh, much I stuff hate. up here. Yeah, but um, I, I go test the market on John Gibson, and I, I see what it costs. Um, I I have a feeling that William Nylander is going to be the sacrificial lamb. Yep, um, Al should probably be the one gone, but um, I, I realistically think it's going to be Nylander. And that image of him slowing up and not going into a corner to avoid getting hit is probably going to be the one that's going to be ingrained in their front office's mind well. why it's going to happen that way. I think. Um, I, I would I would go after Gibson. They need a goaltender. Um, you, you can't win with Jack Campbell. You can't win with the other guys that they've had over the years. So go get Gibson. See if Anaheim is willing to give him up and what the price is going to be because goaltending markets are so volatile. You never know if it's going to be here or if it's going to uh,
0: That's what I would do. Can uh, can they actually afford to keep Giordano? Can they talk him into a pay cut?
2: Uh, yeah, I think they could. Uh, it's just a matter of um, – what uh, what he wants, and if he's with the state, uh, I could see him going back to Calgary. There was talk of it at the deadline that he was willing to go back there, but um, I, I don't uh, I don't think that uh, he uh, I, I I I don't I don't think that he would cost all that much because the 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 drop off in his play in numbers isn't going to justify a six, $7 million deal. Like he would have been, if he kept putting up closer to Norris caliber numbers from years ago, but um, I still think he could probably get like three, 4 million.
0: By the way, how about that? Brooks or assisted on uh, William Nylander's last goal, a uh, first goal and Michael Nylander's last goal. Former Whaler. There you go. Former Whaler. So, but uh, on
1: that but-
2: note, I am out Pete. Great meeting you. Definitely want to have you on more. Um, Mark, I will talk to you a little later on, and uh, let's go Rangers and enjoy the playoffs night. We're gonna have some damn good hockey to watch tonight, so um, just enjoy. it. It's the best time of the year, The best yeah. sport with the best
0: players. So, yep.
2: cup crazy, everybody. Yep. I'm out.
1: All right,
0: take it easy, Phil. Thanks for coming on. And.